This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.se. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Oh my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Useless. <laughs> Let's try this again. Thank god this isn't live. Hello and welcome to a new live episode of the show about nothing on your favorite radio station, K103. Sitting our glorious and internationally renowned bats on these screeching studio chairs, we have officially married Fatima. Hello. Clap, clap, clap. Thank you, thank you. And officially recovered from surgery, Mai. That's me. She's already been <laughs> climbing, <laughs> people. And me, uh, I'm Belém. I'm not married. And my weaker is in my core is weaker than Marie's after appendix removal surgery. Your brain is even stronger though. Is that a clap yes. clap moment? Yes. Clap clap. Okay, clap clap clap. I move around <laughs> with my very weird core. <laughs> anyway, we all are against her weird core. Like she doesn't have a weird core. I mean, sorry. It is weird though. I think uh-huh. it's because I walk with my ass out all the time, so I never <laughs> developed my core. Anyway, okay, okay. lastly and most importantly, it's not only us three, your usual suspects, suspects behind the mics today, but we are accompanied by the fabulous, the irreplaceable, the unique, Sylvia! Sylvia! Hello, hello! <laughs> Hi, welcome. She came all the way from Bulgaria, and I don't know how many languages she speaks in total. I don't think she knows herself. And she talked to us, or we talked to her, we don't remember how it happened, and suggested that we talk about dating and sex and all the in-between topics. So we finally managed to coordinate our our schedules and we're here. We're so glad to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm super happy to be here in this gorgeous Saturday night. Wow. Mm. Have you noticed that it was like five and it wasn't dark outside? Yeah. 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 It's getting your, better. Your Do you regular have a update from the far north. <laughs> Do you have a comment on how many languages you speak? Well, by far, I think it's like steady six. I'm working on wow. seven. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is a clap, 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 clap. Yes, moment. definitely. <laughs> wow. All right. Yes. Well, talking about my chronic single state, like I said before, very unmarried and very weak core, which maybe is also through the lack of sex. I would have a better core if I had more sex, maybe. I don't know. Um, Today we're touching on a topic that has impacted my life greatly and upon which I have reflected constantly and over and over again. That would be our relationship as women to dating and having sex with men, mostly. Um, we'll be addressing some of these questions because you know how it goes we think we're going to answer a lot of questions and then we get stuck in one and we don't answer all of them Uh, you know us by now (laughs) we're going to try and talk about like what do we expect from people we sleep with and is it really our goal to end up in a relationship or is society pushing us in this direction I also must push the bisexual agenda and talk about the difference between dating men and women, because there is some. And then we are mostly going to talk about sexual desire as well. Like, can can our, can our we be fulfilled if we find ourselves in an endless change of spontaneous sexual encounters? Can our relationship be sustained solely on sex? How much libido is too much libido? But uh, let's see how what we managed to discuss and uh, where we get. 
But for now, let's kick it up, kick it up, kick it out. Let's go with a with a song called uh, Mayday by Sima. Is this a cry out for help? Yes, please. <laughs> what time were you born? Mayday, mayday. You're listening to the show about nothing. And today we're talking about sex, desires and uh, relationships with the usual uh, moderators and Sylvia, our guest, who is actually a vivid listener and fan of this show. And now she's here talking in it. So, yeah, great. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> If you behave, you might end up here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening next, Belen? Tell We us. We are just gonna get it all started with definitions. As usual, so we can like land ourselves mm -hmm. in which realm we're talking. And I believe it was Sylvia that had most of the definitions ready. Yep. Uh, so I actually wanted to tackle up upon um, compulsive sexual uh, behavior, which is, well, um, the inability of controlling your sexual desire or it standing up in between your natural daily routine and also maybe putting you in a very well not so safe um situations it's something that maybe can also stay in the way of you building healthy relationships with people um and also making the difference between nymphomania and the compulsive sexual disorder because there is quite a, a few different facts I mean, I, I suppose it's like uh, like with everything, a spectrum, a spectrum, a spectra, a spectrum. Spectrum yeah. is plural. Spectra is plural, yeah. yeah. Um, and also we were uh, mentioning earlier that, that nymphomania is very much related to women um, when it comes to... Is it medi a, a medis the medicinal term that is nymphomania? Or is that like sexual... Like it's It's the one, actually, I think it has a medical medical proposition but at the same time it's the one that is actually with the huge stigma around the society right, right. therefore the nymph as we like know it's this very beautiful female yeah. creature True. which is part of yeah, so the sad. dreams <laughs> of so many straight men and at the same time this representing a woman actually suffering from a well not so good mental uh, health disorder which is also part of the the classical uh, disease um, register so it's, uh, a, a it's, real an disease. it's an actual so we have like this idea societally of what a nymphomania is and if you're a, it's like in the patriarchy that is considered something that's quite exciting uh, but then uh, uh, there's also mm. it's also diagno diagnostics is it called mm. diagnostics yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. I never thought about nymph, like, I mean, the the meaning of nymph being part of that word. Like, I just, you know, for me, it was this term. But also, uh, I never had heard the compulsory, how was it? like? It's a compulsive disorder, which can actually have many variations. People have a compulsive attachment disorder or compulsive, like, uh, substance disorder. It's something that you cannot actually... Um, in a way, manage yourself. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, so this is just the sexual version of it. And it, of course, has its its, its perks in a way, uh, like differing from the alcohol um, addiction that people have or drug abuse addiction, 
which, uh, yeah, of course, it depends on you actually purchasing something additional yeah, for yeah. satisfying your addiction. Mm -hmm. And well, with the compulsive um, sexual, sexual behavior, mm -hmm. you can actually do it just yourself and mm -hmm. it can put you in very also like illegally um, threatening situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also remember like this was a long time ago. I saw a doc documentary on um, it was in this case, unfortunately, um, it's unfortunate, unfortunate that I'm bringing up this example, but it was a little girl who was, um, uh, she was uh, uh, on a daily basis hurting her little brother. Uh, but she was also, she was also having a constant, she was constantly masturbating to the point where she had uh, like vaginal diseases, like she was hurting herself, but she mm. couldn't stop masturbating, for example. And I was, I would, I would guess, because she's also a little girl, like, so she, like, under 10 age under 10 right so you don't really have um, well a lot of notions haven't de developed yet um <laughs> i don't know if you did this but the classic uh dry humping your teddy bear i definitely did it on yeah. the sofa yeah. yeah yeah i did it in my bed and then i would fall asleep on it with like my ass up in the air and then my <laughs> parents would just like open the door and be like oh She's been fucking her teddy bear again. <laughs> also, like, um, I know I, I don't have children and I'm not really in the educational sector, but, like, I know that very young children, like, in the toddler age still, like, you go through this different... Uh, developmental stages that are called like the oral, the anal, and the whatever the Freudian like uh, uh, phase mm -hmm. where you like you know start exploring also like your body cavities and so on. And like mm -hmm. I think like that might be maybe the like the developmental very earliest stage of this, and then later there's like also like I don't know development of mind and you know exploration mm -hmm. and like pleasure and so on happening as well. But yeah. Well, some of the risk factors actually are like exactly as I mentioned before, like alcohol and drug abuse, which can also be totally correlated with the with the whole um, inability to manage your feelings and um, fantasies in a way, and also other mental health conditions like the depression or anxiety can also be a risk factor for you developing this because it's like an escape mm. in a way from reality as any other addiction mm. and also family conflicts as much as you don't think about it if you have any issues in your own family you again look for a way to avoid this and like to deal with the problem or to address it in a way yeah and the other one is actually something that i I think might have contributed to like because I consider myself as a person with the mild to medium uh, compulsive uh, sexual um, behavior. Um, uh, so in my case, that was a history of physical or sexual abuse. And because of the inability of my age that I, I actually passed through that experience with the time I I didn't handle it appropriately, and then it uh, devolved in a way. Mm. But um, to follow up on on um, well, I have one thing I want to say first. Uh, we were mentioning nymphomania, which being the female, like the the one connected to women, and then there's another one, like you don't say that a man is an nymphomaniac. You say that he has satyriasis. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like. To be clear, that when we're talking about nymphomania here, we're talking about women uh, with this sexual compulsive um, behavior. 
with obsession together because it's like a bit more than mm. infomania is more like females concentrated and also like the obsession about it and the inability to control it is even higher yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah so imagine if dating or like trying to have sex around is hard imagine having the additional handicap of a being a woman b having compulsive sexual behavior but um yeah what yeah. are what are the symptoms like how do you come to think oh maybe maybe the my my relationship with sex is not all as normal as well normal what is normal when it comes to sexuality mm. right but healthy healthy but what, eh? yes healthy i yeah. guess <laughs> one of them can be the recurrent and intense sexual fantasy searches and behaviors um it's just all in your head all the time you cannot control it you're like in a business meeting you're on a family dinner and it's just something that f- this focuses your attention and maybe like the 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 driven to certain sexual behaviors that are not part of the um well abstract uh, norms of the society the ones that you maybe uh, have seen in some um, adult movies let's say or something like that and that's also if it crosses the border in a way of you really behaving the normally uh, daily routines that you have to do when then as any other addiction you should uh, look for some help that tends to be the the guided guiding when it comes to addiction depression like all of these like mental Bless you. this way all of Sorry. these um, different variations of of mental um problematics i was going to say like issues people can have the the guide tends to be can you manage your day-to-day activities and if you cannot then maybe there is something to investigate further uh in in this can I ask you, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to save it for after the, uh, a little musical break. The show about nothing, talking about unhealthy relationships to sex. I don't want to say nymphomania feels un- like non-PC. Uh, and before I uh, we went on a musical break, I said that I was going to ask a very juicy question. How juicy it is, is up for you to decide. But here it goes. Sylvia... When did you discover that you might have an unhealthy relationship? Because, like, as you self said, you yourself said you consider yourself to have an unhealthy unhealthy relationship to sex. When did that occur to you? Like, and yeah. how how did that occur to you? Yeah. Uh, well, I I didn't think that's a thing as well because like society never says, and um, no one actually says that maybe you should look for help or that's not very nice. Uh, behavior that you have it's just a stigma that if you have a higher desire you're just putting the w word or the you know like oh whore okay or yeah yeah whole sex or worker yeah, yeah yeah or like just um, an easy um, uh, woman so i never tend to question that uh, until a few years back like three or four where actually i had my body suffering um physical suffering after like few quite intense days because of uh, this um, well I don't want to address it so um, detailedly but yeah yeah. it's like I had few contacts uh, in a very short period and 
it was after I was so sick I couldn't like manage and I was like why, why did I ended up in this situation and mm-hmm. what's happening and from then on we've been on, on and off I've been trying to well this is another symptom actually if you have tried to um, change your sexual behavior but it was unsuccessful and I think that's one of the symptoms that I struggle mostly with because it's something that you work daily Mm. You know, and then you also have to consider cutting off other possible, um, well, addictions as alcohol, cigarettes, drugs and all of that. And it's a combination of things that you have to restrain yourself from. Yeah. And it's not always successful because no one can like. I mean, addiction th- is, is yeah. hard in general. Like it's it's really tough. Um, I wanted to, I had a little uh, f- follow up question, but I um I, I forgot it just now. So maybe my, one of my colleagues could chip in and then I'll get back to the question I had. I find it super interesting because it reminds me like I never thought about it that way. But like the same way when you maybe realize you drink too much alcohol and you want to become healthy or stop it. And you only then maybe figure out how difficult it actually is to to implement that uh, thing that you thought it would be so easy to do. So like, it's really interesting to also reach that point on your own, like without external judgment or anyone commenting, but like, you know, coming to that point where you ask yourself, like, how did I end up in this situation? Really, I don't know, find it really cool. Like I've been in situations where I was questioning a certain media use or something as, you know, maybe that's too much or so, but I think it's a very strong, uh, momentum and we it's probably not a German idiom but like we have this saying that like uh, self-reflection and like uh, becoming aware of yourself is the first step into the right direction so potentially that was like you know the beginning of uh, establishing a healthier relationship with this entire I don't know field topic yeah yeah I, um, I, I was thinking that since you're also um, my, my, do you? I mean, you you mentioned that you you developed this from assault, um, but when outside of the assault, like when were you starting to not become freely sexually active? But like, how old were you when you started to have uh, not personal sex, but like sex with other people? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Well, that's very connected question. Mm. So I I would rather not put like concrete. Um, mm age but I think uh, at first first two years that I, I was already sexually active I had uh, this quite bad experience and mm. I had I, I didn't have any pleasure out of it but I was still like doing it because well because sometimes of uh, like my own will then I think it was also the the compulsory disorder mm. and sometimes it was against my will so it was like a combination of them okay and um, actually the fun fact like the first time I, I managed to experience orgasm was I when I was uh, high so right, yeah it was also the connection with the, the drug abuse together with um, the, the compulsory mm. uh, disorder. Because I was, uh, I wanted to sort of get to the being a young woman, uh, because there it's hard being young and uh, and a woman at that um, without abuse. Uh, then it's still hard. Um, and I, I was wondering if I was more thinking about the experience because you were talking. People would saying that people would use the W word or um, or any like degrading words in general, uh, they tend to happen whether you are sexually active or not. They call, someone can call you that. Uh, but did did you, did you suffer with um, a lack of 
uh, like feeling like is people if people are calling you name calling you did you manage to get through that at a young age and be like no you know I'm I'm doing this like not I'm doing this because you are suffering from it but like handling those those things when you're also growing up as a person and defining who you are is quite difficult right yeah um thank you for the question it was um quite a, an experience back then i think i i had been in very bad mental states like very suicidal thoughts and even like uh, trials um and then i just discovered that i should just accept myself and i did and that was the highest price i had to pay in order to start uh, the whole healing process and i just said um to all my friends back then and later on to every well that's like the the perks of of being of having to to accept that you have some kind of a disorder that you have to tell people about it yeah. mm. and uh, every time I, i i have a new friend well with the time it's something that they discover because of all of my stories that i share and today is this person next day is that person they're like well you should like really chill out you know and i receive all of those comments i'm like okay but then you know i actually it's not part of my will i'm i'm trying to work on it and all of that but still mm. like It it cost me a lot, and I know. And sometimes I follow my friends, like um, my friends' recommendations. Like they're like, please don't sleep with that guy. And I I try my best, and sometimes I succeed. I regret so much after, and it's like something that goes like in circles and all of that. But um, okay, so like when question here, like when a friend tells you don't sleep with that guy and you listen to the friend so you don't sleep with that guy now you mention like regrets so later you're like oh a wasted opportunity or how do i understand that i don't know if it's a wasted opportunity but sometimes i'm like yeah maybe that will be the person that i wanted to be with or something ah, okay. like you know because i'm also super romantic which is totally the controversial of the having a compulsive <laughs> disorder so i'm super cheesy romantic even though like uh, you the want all the, the roses and the yeah, and yeah, the, yeah 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 exactly mm-hmm. So uh, Valentine's Day c- is coming up now in um, two days. Yeah. Anything well, fun happening? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Send us cards, please. Yeah. <laughs> Valencio, do you do you uh, do I move on? You can move on, yes. Okay, because I think um, let's do a, another little musical break and think about the good stuff, like chocolate and roses. <laughs> <laughs> This is a show about nothing, and you're listening to K103, Gothenburg Student Radio. And we're talking about unhealthy relationships, or healthy ones, or just relationships. Desires. And chocolate the, and roses. <laughs> of the sexual kind. And, I, and we were just talking about how, at the same time as Silvia is very uh, sex-oriented, she's also very romantic. Yeah, and that uh, that brings me to the topic that we are forced to date men, and I wanted to talk about the experience of how dating men has been for all of you. How how would you describe your relationship to men in the sexual uh, romantic territory? I have mm. a question in the very beginning because, like, how, like, I mean, we are forced to uh, date men. I. Uh, I think like it, it seems like the first natural go-to um, living in the part of the world where we live and so on. But then luckily also, I just, I mean, we're sending from Sweden here and I come from Germany, but like I feel that uh, in the recent years, I 
didn't feel so much the pressure anymore that I have to date men. Like I feel I am luckily sort of like living more somewhere where I can have the choice. I'd no, like to kind of. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, okay. I meant it like because you are attracted to men. Ah, okay, okay. Like because I, I want to <laughs> heterosexual. If you want to date, you are gonna end up dating men. That's mm-hmm. what I meant. Mm-hmm. I was more because th- I wanted to comment on that as well. I think uh, uh, I think we as um, mainly heterosexual beings don't notice maybe how much the society is like painted or like directing people towards a head or no yeah that, that totally like, that. like i didn't want to say that oh it's so easy like it's no different <laughs> no, penis no, is no, no. everywhere <laughs> <laughs> no i mean but there's there's heteronormativity even inside uh homosexual couples so yeah heteronormativity yeah. kind of like a butch lady would be a male uh, yeah. like the guy in the lesbian relationship. and there's also like there's also um stupid uh like it some women copy the behavior of men yeah mm. like but not only you can be very butch and mm. behave in a very feminine way that that mm. is two mm. different things but it's more about the behavior the controlling behaviors the or i don't know yeah you just start imitating men mm. because that's the only model of a relationship with a woman that you know mm. because that's the only thing that you've seen mm. represented mm. so Mm, I've been normativity is everywhere man. to maybe answer the question like how do I feel about like dating men I, I like I've been in a long-term relationship and I haven't been like actively out on the market like dating people and you know collecting a lot of different uh, experiences in that sense maybe but I think like even when I was I always kind of reminded me a little bit of you know when animals do the mating dance and so on like it really like dating in a way is like you know it's like the human society form of like very natural like weird mating behavior so it's like sort of you know this dances and games and showing off and like pretending to be this and like you know just playing with all of these like attributes that you have or maybe also you don't have them but you pretend that you have them so in a way like once you sort of like come down from this uh, hormonal rushes that are also involved in dating you maybe have like ability to look at these faces and you're like oh my god yeah like what a kind of game in a way mm. so maybe yeah it it felt a bit like a game and i was maybe lucky to have uh, no uh harming experiences so i have a quite like joyful I mean, not always successful, but a quite, you know, like it's like a game sort of for me. And I have good memories and good uh, feelings about it. Yeah. I uh, I was just thinking when you said the whole mating dance, I was talking to my cousin <laughs> one day and she was like, why are humans the only species in which the one putting all the extra, you know, the, the lashes, the hair, True. the makeup and... It's the woman when in every other species is, you know, like the peacock. It's the male peacock <laughs> that has that extra weird feather in the back, but it reversed somehow. Mm-hmm. But I think like recently a lot of guys are putting a lot of efforts and looking good and mm. like all that gym culture, just going there and taking all the proteins, amino acids and whatever they can find. And also like the, the hairstyles and the beard styles, you know, they also started like doing a lot of things like self care. Like, yeah, mm. 10 years or so. Mm. Mm. I'm sure like I feel like this is just like a very 
random observation that's probably not true, but I'm going to state it anyway. Like I imagine, like when you look at costume uh, costume movies uh, from back in the days. Obviously, I didn't live back then, but people where men were real men. You mean no? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean they're sexy, but that's like a, a thing. But uh, I wanted to like people were wearing like s- fancy suits or like there was always you always had like a hat or like mm. a, um, what are these called? A cravat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A tie. Tie. Thanks. Uh, so like you would have those things even though they were a bit uncomfortable because ties let's be honest they're not uh, comfortable so there was like a little bit of suffering for the for looking good following the trends right but then the 70s like the the 70s when people started to wear maybe this is a very particular group like people started to wear tri- like old worn out trousers because no war and love and peace and all of that stuff um, and now it feels like it's going back. I see more and more men wearing sort of suits, similar uh, clothes. I mean, this is a fashion, a yeah, fashion, fashion thing. Yeah, fashion just moves in waves. Yeah. So, but I think always, like, sorry, <laughs> um, a fa- fashion has always kind of like given different sort of codes to and requirements to women and men. And then like all sorts of crazy stuff you just need to go through like different movies or like magazines or something 50s different than 60s crazy 70s total different vibe 80s oh my god 90s yes we were born but i, I feel <laughs> i wanted like to get to something i feel uh, like the new the new sexy some or, or so would be a man who like is in touch with his emotions like that feels like it's back to being popular it's a trend attract- now attractive that's, that's never been popular i just wanted to say like was no, it ever no really in trend oh sorry yeah not it's back but like that is being trendy i mean that is the sexy well, sexy thing is that what do you think uh it might be trendy but but i think we missed it what yeah that's not like it, it we missed it because men are age like they didn't know that that was trendy and uh-huh. it's like in younger oh, yeah. generations maybe but I'm, I'm. They can still adapt, can't they? I yeah, mean, right. that's very, yeah. that's very convenient that. because yeah. if he's really aware of his emotions and can manage it, that will make everything so much easier. And well, but it's hard to find, of course. But I think there are a lot of lucky people in this world. I mean, I must. I yeah, have. A, I have an example. Lucky person. <laughs> my my ex boyfriend. One of the things I really loved about him. I'm. I'm not gonna name him, but like he. He he cried on the first our first date, and I thought that was super attractive. But wait, are cries actually like men crying considered as emotional? Because I have this thing that a lot of guys that I was dating they cry in front of me a lot, but that doesn't mean that they actually embrace their emotions and That's they're true. aware of them. That's true. Because I mm. also cry all the time, but um, I <laughs> sometimes <too. laughs> it's like not really mm. um, to well. To make the reference, sometimes you say that you're emotional and then you cry. Mm. And also like not being able to control your emotions or pass through trauma, mm. which is also something that I can uh, go back to um, compulsive sexual disorder because yeah. this is one of the symptoms as well. When you pass through trauma, family trauma or whatever, you tend to go and like just do some um, very not so safe or... Um, like self-destructive well, yeah, behavior. Exactly, mm. exactly. Well, I, I, um, I was. Well, in his case, it was the fact that it was so early on, and he was being vulnerable with me, and I, I and that's like the attractive, the, th- the thing. Maybe I you're one attractive. of those people because there is a philia 
which I don't know the actual name, but it's people that get off on other people crying. You know what? Maybe I am. Maybe I think are. people are cr- that are crying are very cute. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. You should talk to Igor because mm. Igor has the completely <laughs> opposing behavior. When I cry, he gets irritated as fuck. Really? So he that's my dad. Really, <laughs> like he he can absolutely not handle it. Yeah. And if it happens in a fight, which happens like frequently, because I just cry when I get angry. Like I'm an Same, angry crier. Too, yeah. I was trying to explain that yesterday. It's because when I'm sad, I feel like I'm done to and I'm powerless and I'm weak. So then I turn it into anger because then I feel like I'm back in control and now I'm the one doing things. And, you know, maybe I get mean and rude whatsoever, but I feel like I'm more empowered than when I'm sad. Mm. So that happens when we're fighting. And then I'm like ready to fight whatsoever, but crying and he cannot handle it. So like he totally doesn't get off on me crying. <laughs> maybe because of the image that, uh, well, the society has the, uh, the impression that when you cry, you're vulnerable. And at the same time, I also experienced something very similar as Marie. Like when I, I'm super mad, I, I won't shout. I won't fight with someone. I will just cry. And that's like, I think the, the least invasive way for you to share uh, what anger you're experiencing at that time without um, like Intr- interfering. The yeah. Inter- very interesting. I do the same. Oh wow! I'm gonna bring this. This is a sentence Me that too. I'm gonna bring home with myself today and be like reflecting on, <laughs> uh, and maybe a little bit during uh, this little musical break. So here is "Weightless" by Arlo Parks. And it's almost seven, so we don't have that much time left. Only ten minutes. But just <laughs> like we're gonna talk forever about this. So. <laughs> course like i think we've we've always talked about this like i i am always talking about this this is my one and only topic yeah but i was just like curious about how do you guys consider your own libido like do you think that for women uh in your general horniness levels do you think you're over average under the average do you think do you find yourself have you ever got that comment like why do you always seem to be horny or like or or the other way around or do you think it has changed from when you were single to when you've been in a long-term relationship to when you are in a new relationship or does it is it also like when you start dating someone and then you're having a lot of sex and then you feel like you like them a lot and then after a while you stop having sex that often and then the the the, the attraction kind of goes down I think we have very interesting different like spectrum of this uh, in terms of answers probably in the studio because like right now talking for myself Marie I'm like the one in the long term relationship with the same guy and like we're in the goddamn seventh year where you like sort of like reestablishing values maybe a little bit and that goes along with a lot of discussion and also you have also been together for a long time so it's not necessarily like wow you know sex is a new thing like i would assume the freshly married person in front of me has a very different take on that um but also it's nothing that like necessarily sort of bothers me so it's just like i i I, it's not that i sit there horny all the time and i don't get what i want because i feel if that would be the case i could be verbal about it Mm. uh so like it naturally has also just changed for me a little bit that you know i don't have that need to like uh go and fuck all the time 
uh, to be that bluntly. I did bluntly, not expect like, you to say that. <laughs> I was a bit surprised. No, was like, like, no, no, of course. No, because I feel like when I was younger, I was, you know, more in this, like, you know, I wanted to go out and, like, meet people and get some action in mm. uh, as, like, you know, because it wasn't this, like, oh, you know, let's be romantic, let's, you know, like, have fancy breakfast. Like, it's just, like, it was literally about the act. It's mm. like, you, I wanted to gain experience and, like, mm. have some fun and so on. And this has really changed for me. So I would say now I'm probably, like, in the average of like people that have this sort of like length of a relationship I would say mm. Mm. I mean I, I have a quite cur- uh, when it comes I was in a, an almost eight year long relationship that ended two years ago two mm. and a half years ago two years ago I don't really exactly remember but I mean when it comes to sex it could be it could be both um uh, a bit to the you know I need validation give me something like it could be it could be negative like uh, self uh, hurting mm. what's the word mm. harming so, self harming yeah. yeah it could be that um, because I think I personally have a, like I associate so much of like this this is like I'm gonna try to formulate this in a way that is not not super complicated but I uh, I do believe that I, when I feel that someone's attracted to me, I feel very good about myself. And if I, for a moment, don't feel good looking or good or um, attractive, then that takes on my self-esteem a lot. Mm. So then I go chasing sexual activity with, uh, in that case, with my partner, but it could be very hard for uh, like the balance uh, between us. But then it's also quite different now because I'm with someone and we're like newly in love. So all the hormones are rushing, right? So whatever we do, it's great. But, you know, it's different. It's literally a chemical moment of the relationship as well. Yeah, yeah. I then have a question actually for uh, Marie with her uh, long (laughs) relationship and also for you maybe retrospectively. But do you think if you have this long-term relationship, should you like stop making efforts? Because I think that's like... A very important key part of not just like your libido as it is, but also you, well, um, putting efforts into creating this ambience and like, I don't know, lingerie mm. and all whatever you I, can think I of. Think, I think sex in general is uh, like, I, I, I love to have a healthy relationship to sex. And with my uh, my ex, we would, we would have like this, um, I'm not going to make publicity now, but we would have like a regular... Um, sex toy thing coming in like uh, five times a year and we would try and we were like experimenting with different things after a while to keep it exciting Um, but certain things if you're not like when you're new to something or something that or you may be on the edge of what is norm norm uh, norm sex or whatever then you tend to be a little bit more scared so you need to be sure to not that you're not putting yourself in danger right and mm. and you're with someone that you trust I think one should never uh, stop making an effort because that's what it's about like if you want to keep a spark alive you're going to continue making an effort I think it's easier to fall into routines when you are that long together because you know you both live your lives and you're just so used to this so you know that's the challenge you probably have to making an effort and you know making a difference but then again like if you hopefully have a good established communication in that relationship as well, you can like, you know, raise all these points again and like, you know, figure it out if you are uncontent. Mm. Uh, For me, the the, um, state of chronic uh, singledom 
that I have been. It's gonna be next week. It marks my fourth anniversary. We. But then I have a question but for I, you. But I, the worst thing about this is when you like one situation ship ends and you're like, I have to relearn another body. Did you call it situation ship? Yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's a. It's not a relationship. It's a situation ship. Yeah, yeah. Because it's very dated, and um, you you're like okay. So I was starting to be vulnerable with this person. I was sharing what I like, what I don't like. My, you know, and then that ends. And then I I one of the worst things. If I appreciated that person, and I was enjoying getting to know them, and when that's over, and you have this feeling like I have to go out again, mm. and like find another person that I have enough chemistry with and that I think that is the worst uh, step always mm. the, 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 the moment effort. where you're like okay I have to start over and I think what I what I crave the most of a relationship is not like the romantic stuff or anything it's more like the the very normal moment of just I know you so well that I know exactly what you're gonna say before I ask you the question that I'm gonna ask you. Those kinds of things are like what I would like to experience because I've never got to that point. But then what is your view regarding like one night stands and can you make like a small comparison rather than the, the European South and European North? Because I was really wondering how this stands like in here. Is it like harder to get one night stand in Sweden rather than Spain? Because in Sweden it's the, the easiest thing to get a one night stand because that's what everyone loves. So if someone is out and they're not out with their partner, they're looking for a one night stand. And then the next day they'll pretend like they don't know you. In Spain, I've also had one night stands. I've always had one night stands because like Fatima, I also linked my self-esteem to my sexual appeal. And uh, I hate them with a passion, but I, when I'm doing low, uh, in when I'm not feeling good about myself, I always end up hmm. in one of these situations or having sex with someone that I don't actually really like, but they like me and that's what matters. Mm, but it feels know? good to be desired. I mean, I think... I don't know if you can say it's universal, but like it works for me as well. I mean, it's great. And I listened to a podcast this week about like dating and also like sort of like, you know, flirting outside of relationship. Like when you are in one, you can still, I don't know, have a flirt with a cashier person and it's going to make your day. Like it's, it's going to make you feel great. But it, I think the difference, the big difference is whether you find other sources of uh, re, like um, reaffirmation of mm, yourself mm. Uh, or not. Like if it's, yeah. if you only have the, the, the outside sexual, uh, confirmation outside, yeah. mm. then um, I, it's I don't think everybody experiences it um, as yeah for example mm. I personally really don't need the, the affirmation mm. from outside but sometimes this is how the the society perceives it because of like the compulsory behavior yeah so then they're like well you're just looking for someone to bring you up like your self-esteem and, and they don't really distinguish it as a as an actual disease i actually had a question uh, we have a few minutes left but it's like uh, i thought about it really early on and i wrote it down um uh, and it, it's go it's going back to to how we defined uh, define sexual compulsive um, behavior um, because I've I've heard s statistics. I'm I'm doing air quotes here, like statistics. People say you read in an article something something. That Don't, you didn't read in an article. You saw it on reels on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It just feels like this is something that feels like it's so true because you've heard it so many times, but you have no idea where it comes from. Um, 
And it's that uh, people, humans, think about sex for like 90% of the time um, and 10 is, I don't know, how to survive. I'm just, you know, saying random stuff. Mm. But you were saying that having the sexual compulsive disorder in your mind, how the, how does that take, take um, because you were saying you were thinking about it a lot. And how how would you say that's different from any, someone who's just like, well, that would be a nice place to have sex on, or that would, you know, or that's a sexy person, and that, and and also a lot of human interaction happens based on attractiveness, even though we don't like to admit it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think this is the point where not just thinking about it, but also like after uh, having an act, you. Um, you have the guilt. You feel guilty. You feel that you did something bad, and then uh, all the behavior, like the the remorse, it's it's there and it's um, destroying you in a way. That's the unhealthy part. I think. Okay. So on that, Belen, we have to say goodbye. I'm we really have sorry. come to the end. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Follow us on social media. Thank you, Sylvia. We are uh, show about nothing underscore K103 on Instagram. Sylvia, anything you want people to follow? Um, the show about nothing. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Bye, everyone. Oh my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Useless. <laughs> Let's try that again. Thank god this isn't live. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned.